So good afternoon, Promised Land family. Once again, um, this we have already talked before the message start. This casting down imaginations message is a very powerful message. We're going to start again by confessing it. We got it out of um, prayers that avail much, the original version of it, and we're going to go from here to the next verse. Um, and please, if you didn't catch the first one from last week, listen to it because it's so foundational on how to um, deal with spiritual um, strongholds and, 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 and the weapons of our warfare and such a clear breakdown of it that you don't want to miss it. So we're going to say this together and I'm going to read it at this time as I and you can repeat it as I. Father, though I live in the world, I do not wage war as the world does. Repeat. The weapons I fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. I demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of you. And I take captive every thought to the obedience to Christ. In the name of Jesus, I ask you, Father, to bless those who have despitefully used me. Whenever I feel afraid, I will trust in you. If I feel miserable, I will express thanksgiving. And when I feel life is unfair, I will remember that you are more than enough. When I feel ashamed, help me to remember that I have no longer need to be afraid. I will not suffer shame. I am delivered from fear of disgrace. I will not be humiliated. I will relinquish the shame of my youth. It is well with my soul. For you have redeemed me. You have called me by your name. Hmm. I am in your will for my life at this time. I am being transformed. I mean, I'm transformed. I'm being transformed through the renewing of my mind. I am able to test and approve for myself what is your will and what is your good and acceptable and perfect will. You have good things reserved for my future. All my needs are met according to your riches and glory. I will replace worry for my family with asking you to protect and care for them. You are love and perfect love cast out fear. In Jesus name, amen and amen. So last week we did 2 Corinthians 10, three to five. This week we're doing Romans 12, two and i'm gonna unless the lord leads me to i'm gonna try to stay with a verse a week so that we are thorough so we're going to go to romans now 12 and verse one and two 
And it starts by saying, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies, dedicating all of yourself set apart as a living sacrifice, holy and well-pleasing to God, which is your rational, logical, and intelligent act of worship. Do not be conformed to this world any longer with its superficial values and customs, but be transformed and progressively change as you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind, focusing on godly values and ethical attitude so that you may prove for yourself what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect in his plan and purpose for you. Now I'm reading out the end, which is way more wordy than the King James. But I, I'm doing that because the breakdown of it. Um, I'm going to give you a quick little kind of Bible history lesson. The King James Bible is the translation of the Greek in the New Testament, the Hebrew and Arabic in the Old Testament, or mostly Hebrew. Most other Bibles like NIV and those Bibles are transliterations. They take the King James and they translate it from, you know, the King's English to a more contemporary English. The Amplified does not transliterate the King James. The Amplified takes the original manuscripts and then they translate it to English, which is what makes it way more wordy because it has to define the words that it came from more detail or originally to convey the thought that words don't convey if you just go from one language to another because there's in, in different languages there's text and, and context and those of you who speak Spanish understand what I'm talking about just for the bit of Spanish I studied I realized that you don't just say aunt and uncle you got to say that then the word before it has to be have a, a la and an l if you're talking about you can say the man the woman in English but you got to say la l in Spanish they have feminine and, and, and masculine tense in the words sometime before and after in the descriptions. Or, or, or um, anyway, I'm not gonna try to act like I'm a language a linguistics expert and try to explain all that. You're getting the people who know Spanish, you understand what I'm talking about, right? The, so when you translate from one language to another, you can't always just go from word to word because you lose stuff. So the word love in the Bible gets lost because there's so many different translations of it in the original language. You have agape, you have eros, you have phileo. And so not using that word love in its right place or understanding the depth of it. That's why, I know I'm giving you a whole little lesson here, but it's a reason for it. That's why in the King James, even though when it's translated or transliterated, um, the um, Corinthians 13, it says, Love is patient, love is kind, love suffers long and all this kind of stuff. But if you read it in the King James, it does not say love. The word love is not used. The word is charity because the word really is not love, not phileo or eros or agape. It's the act of giving. 
So saying a given heart or, or, or the person that's a giver or the person that has the heart of care or taking care of or providing for others is patient and kind. And so love doesn't convey it. It's the word charity is a better word because it conveys this is a heart that does something more agape for you, not for me. It would it would fall more in the line of agape because it's a love that it gives without holding suffered wrong or remembering the past hurt and all of that wonderful stuff that we strive so hard to, to do and fail regularly at that Corinthians, thir <coughs> that Corinthians 13 thing. Excuse me a minute. <clears throat> so what I'm walking us through in this season in time is once God began to show me about the strongholds, I begin to realize, so I've been trying to fight this battle in the flesh or in, or in, in my human power and ability, and a lot of time in emotion. We try to control emotion with emotion. We try to deal with frustration and anger <clears throat> through logic. Well, it ain't a good thing to do. Maybe I won't do that. What would Jesus do? And all of that is you trying to deal with a spiritual force intellectually, and that's why it doesn't work. So what I'm hoping is by the end of this, you and I both understand that when we see this, it's a battle of the spirit. It's not flesh and blood, and that we immediately know to go take it down in the spirit. Is this helpful? Are you understand where I'm going with this? So case in point to you guys' testimonies. Um, I had to go back to that car wash that I paid for, and they took the money out, and then I tried to go through, and they didn't let me through and say that. I wasn't in the thing. I showed the lady my receipt. And she said, I still can't let you through. And I was just so frustrated that day. And so I shared it with you guys. So, so Nelly said, let me call him. You know, and I'm like, yeah, because, you know, I don't want to give my flesh a chance to go back into that frustration. So I gave her the receipt. She called him. She got on the phone. She spoke to Somebody, he said, oh, no, yeah, I, I fix it right now. Click, 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 click. Done, it was done. Just tell him to come on through and, and it'll be fine. And my flesh was still like, yeah, but that that chick, that other chick, she was out line. And, you know, you know, the flesh was still, I still want to be mad at the fact that they didn't let me go in the day before, you know? So I get to the place. I say, oh, let it go, let it go. I pull up and guess who's standing at the the, the, the machine? That sister, there she is, right? And so now here's my opportunity to get her, right? Here's my opportunity to check her. So I'm like, well, I'm in the, I was in the system. I'm in there now. Um, well, maybe because you came back later. No, because somebody else, the manager, she said, I'm the manager. And I'm like, well, some guy. And she said, oh, you're talking about Steven? Yes. Oh, yeah, well, he's the manager over me. So right away, because I'm quick, my flesh said, I, it was trying to come out my mouth, but God did that. My flesh said, oh, so the good manager, you're the weaker manager. Right away, I, I wanted to just, mm, just get that in there. And God was like, well, we talk about. I said, okay, well, it's worked out. And as I was going through, she turned around and said, I'm sorry for all of that, which is all I really wanted. You know what I'm saying? 
That's all I wanted. I just wanted her to acknowledge that they made a mistake and she was holding her ground the day before. But my point was, I had to acknowledge that there was a choice in front of me, door number one or door number two. Which one are you going to take today? Well, it's real easy for me to fire one off. But how, how would that be helpful? Nothing would be gained from it. I wouldn't walk away with a prize or, or extra money in the bank account because I got a chance to take a shot at somebody. And so I'm saying these weapons that we're talking about is different. So now I want to go into where we are in Romans. He said, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercy of God, to prevent your bodies. Uh, uh, and the King James says, a living sacrifice is here. Says dedicating yourself and set apart, which is sanctified, a living sacrifice, well pleasing to God, which is a rational, logical, and intelligent act of worship. And I want to start with that part of it because it's asking me to do a spiritual thing. Watch this, which is saying it's a logical, intellectual, intelligent thing to do. Hmm. Well. I'm learning now that my battle is not in the flesh, but in the spirit. But then when I'm reading here, he's saying, but there is, are you listening to me? A, a intellectual and fleshly component that makes this all come together. It's not, oh, I just give it all to the Lord. I'm just leaving it in the Lord's hands. I'm just, I'm just not touching. Okay, guys, yeah, but you have an intelligent and logical function that you must do. Let me give you an example. Don't you say that. See, that was a logical, intelligent moment that I had to submit to in order for me to present myself as a sacrifice. Stay with me on this one. It's a quick ride, but it's a good one. Okay. So I had to make the decision at that moment, right, that I could go that way or I could be still. And that is the part that I play. What I want to convey today through these two verses is this. I gave it to the Lord. I prayed about it. It's in the Lord's hands. I'm not even going to touch it. That's a cop-out. That's a cop-out most of the time. Giving it to the Lord is not a, a statement you just make, but it's the act of your will and your logical emotion to give it to God. There's a human will that plays a part in you saying, I'm putting it in the Lord's hand. There's a correction you make. There's a change of course that you take. There's a, a dialogue that you cease to have. There's a behavior that you no longer perform in when you make the decision to give it to the Lord. I, I, I hope everybody is with me today on this one here. See, it, it, it's God is saying to me, it ain't enough to say it's in the Lord's hands. It, then you have to physically release it from your hands. See, you can put it in the Lord's hands, but you still got a remnant of it saying, but if the Lord don't move the way I need him to, I'm going to say something. I'm going to jump up in this. I'm going to let somebody, oh, oh mm -mm, mm -mm, okay, enough is enough of that. God said, if you're going to release it to me, there has to be a, pres a presentation. There has to be a, a, a deliverance unto me where you decide to deny yourself or your pleasures or your desires or your feelings any longer in that situation. And I'm going to tell you right now, that's where the journey begins. 
So I want us going forward as we understanding that the weapons of warfare are not carnal, but mighty. I want us to understand that the process in this, in this whole process, we play a part. And that part is to relinquish it. And then when it tries to come back, not let it in. And somebody could say, and that's a journey. That's a journey. Okay, so watch this. So he said, it's a logical and intelligent act of worship. Let's get this now. My decision not to say something to that young lady, I, did, I never saw that as an act of worship. I saw this God restricting me and trying to keep me from doing what I really want to do. But okay, if not my will, but your will be done. I really want to cuss you, but I'm a Christian. That's not an act of worship. The act of worship is for me to decide logically and intelligently that God, I'm committing this to you as an act of worship. Oh, come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. It, it, it's, it's me saying to God, I'm choosing to worship you by doing that which my flesh doesn't even want to do. Let, 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 me, let me help you out. Let me help you out. How many tithers on here? Tithers, givers, mm -hmm, everybody, okay? Sometimes you know that that's a simple thing to do. And sometimes you're looking at bills and things and you know at that day it's an act of worship. You know, like, nah, I got to do this. Like, I, you know, and this time you got to catch yourself because you're going like, I'm going to do this, but I don't really want to. And you got to catch yourself before you do the offer. Say, no, 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 Satan. No, 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 flesh. You don't get to turn my thing in of grudging or of necessity. I'm doing this because it's my act of worship before God and Satan. You don't get to take that from me. You don't get to take that moment from me where I'm so busy counting what I need that I'm ignoring God's word about me giving. You're not going to do that to me. You're with me right now. Well, what I'm showing to you is this is also that kind of act of worship. That time where you want to say this, or you could do that, or you could go that way, or you could fly off the handle, and, and you say, you know what? No, I'm going to give this to you, Lord, as an act of worship. I'm going to, uh -huh. I'm going, I'm going to give this, I'm going to behave myself as an act of worship. I'm going to hold my tongue as an act of worship. I'm not going to snap as an act of worship. See, now I'm not doing it like, like, like Balaam saying, well, I want to go, but God won't let me. See, that's why he almost got killed by the angel because he wanted to go, but God won't let him. And so then God let him and then the angel was waiting to kill him. See, people need to understand that story. That story is deep. We'll do go through that whole story another day. But Balaam, they came that God told them, don't you go custom people no matter what they come to you with. And they came to him and he said, no, I can't go. And then they came to him with a lot of money. And offered him a lot of money. He said, you know, I, I can't go because God won't let me. So it's not that he didn't want to go. It's that he, he restrained himself because God didn't let him. And that was not an act of worship at that point. So when he went to God again, God said, yeah, you could go. And then he had an angel waiting in the road to kill him. Because he said, you were already chosen by your own will to do which is pleasing to you. And then you decided not to do it, but your heart wasn't in it. So your heart wasn't in it, so it wasn't acceptable. So you got to think about Cain and Abel's offering and, and, and why that people said God didn't accept his offering because it was from the earth, because it was a work of his flesh. It wasn't from his heart. 
And God said, well, you're doing it because I restrict you, but I wanted a free, God loves a cheerful giver whose heart is in his giving. So it applies to this. He says, when you decide to behave yourself, when you decide to do that, which is right, I want us from this day forward to be mindful, to be mindful before God to count that as an act of worship. Am I helping somebody today? I want us to be mindful, say, God, I'm going to behave myself and I'm not going to do that. And I'm not going to cross that line, but not just because I'm afraid of repercussion. I'm choosing it to do this as an act of worship. This The enemy is not going to make me walk away from, oh, man, no, I can't really do what I want to do. And steal my opportunity to worship you and receive the reward of my worship. What I'm giving you today, oh, come on, pay people, is my act of worship. And as a result, I plan to receive the reward of a worshiper. I could stop the message right there. I don't have to go any further if I don't want to, but there's a little bit more I want to touch on. But I just want to tell you that revelation in itself is worth its weight in gold or platinum or whatever the most expensive mineral is on this planet right now. So watch this. So he said, is a uh, intelligent present your body a living sacrifice that means everything you have to do or surrender to him let it be from this day forward a what say it after worship i want you to make sure you understand that now and not be robbed because there's a harvest for that when you submit anything to god whether it's holding your tongue, not doing the thing you really want to do, taking somebody somewhere that you really don't want to take them, doing something for somebody that you really don't want to do for them, but you feel like God is leading you to do it, you don't go kicking rocks. You don't go pouting and hanging your head. You go saying, God, this is my act of worship to you, and I will not allow it to be stolen from me as an inconvenience or frustration. Some of you right now think, boy, I got some harvest to collect. I need to change. I need to go back and rewrite that, that ticket and say, God, all of that right there I did, I'm taking it back from the place of being angry and murmuring and complaining. And I'm saying, this, I'm giving it back again. This is my act of worship. I don't know about y'all, but I've never heard anybody preach this. And I'm saying, God, you are showing me some stuff right here. This is some powerful stuff. Because that's where we are right now. We, we, we're casting down our imagination. We're on that next level. We are, we're, we're tearing down what's left so we can step into everything that it's supposed to be for us. Amen. By show of hands, who's being blessed by this? Who's, who is this speaking to you? Amen. Amen and amen. So let's keep this rolling. I'm only doing these two verses today. Right? Then he said, and don't be conformed to this world any longer with its superficial values and customs. So I'm gonna touch on that real quick, but be transformed and progressively changed as you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind. Now, I used to always hear, don't be transformed to this world, be renewed in your mind. I'm like, renewed to what? I'm reading these scriptures, I'm trying to do this stuff. And that's why I love the Amplified because it takes it down. It says, don't, Chase the superficial values of this world and its customs. We know that. I need to break that down too much. We understand. He says, don't do it any longer. 
So you were doing it and you probably still are. He said, don't do it any longer. Well, then how not to do it? Well, this is where it gets beautiful. He said, but be transformed and progressively changed. Through a process, you're being changed. You know why you don't make it in this area? Because you think, oh, so now I'm a Christian. I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't say that. And you try to do this cold turkey thing that you don't have the spirit or, or, or the emotional fortitude to do. And then you wind up failing and falling on your face. And one thing I've learned as a business owner and as a, a person who runs companies is this. You give a person a job that they can't succeed in, you set them up to fail, and then anything else you try to give them, they're already approaching it from the point of a failure. So I always try to say, let's find the place where that person succeeds and feels they can achieve. And if they can achieve there, then they'll say, okay, let me try that. Okay, let me try that. Would you throw them right in the thick of it? And I know a lot of bosses that, it's just throw them in the thick of it. Yeah, well, you're setting that person up to fail a lot of times. There are people that will come out of that like roses, but a lot of people, the average person is not. So God is saying to you, I understand that about you. I understand your frame. I know not to throw you into something too deep for you to handle. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to say to you, I want you to be transformed and progressively changed. Somebody say progressively. Step by step day by day, his hand in mine, my hand in his, walking one step at a time. God is not expecting you to be God-like tomorrow in the area that you've been walking devil-like your whole life. But he said, but progressive change is still change. I love, I love Corey's line, I use it all the time. And I learned it from him and I use it and it's helped me greatly in this past year or so. I'll take change even if it's at a snail's pace. Change is still change. Let's just work with it. And so God is saying, that's, that's all about being patient. So God is saying, watch this, as you progressively change, watch this, and as you mature spiritually, let me put the book down. All right. You can't progressively change and grow the way you need to grow by trying to behave. There has to be a spiritual maturity and change, which then aids in the best the natural or physical change. Got it? There is, there is a process that I go through as I sit before God and his word and revelation comes to me and I go, oh, I don't know if I can do that. I don't even know if I want to do that. But you know what, Father? I'm willing if you make me willing. If you give me a willing heart, I'm willing to be willing. And then he begins to minister to me on the inside and I begin to mature spiritually. And it just say grow up or learn more. It says mature. As you mature spiritually, it's interesting I watch people, well, you know, I walk with the Lord and I got Jesus and I know I love Jesus. You know, new Christians, you know, they get so, oh my goodness, they just, everything is Jesus, Jesus. This Jesus is almost like, couldn't you give me a break, please? Like, stop, you, you're using my name in vain, just stop, right? It's just too much because they automatically think I'm saved or I got the Lord now or I walked into a new level with the Lord. So all of a sudden I'm spiritually, I've covered all the bases. No, you have to mature spiritually. You have to grow spiritually. And that's not done with a lot of talking and bragging and how spiritual you are. That comes from a lot of quiet, you know what I mean? That comes from a lot of quiet moment and quiet space. 
That's where that come from. That come from a lot of a long time. That come from, you know, I say people all the time when they keep telling me how God their life is and how godly they are. I say to them, the Bible says you show your fruit, not, not your words. You don't go sit at the head of the table. You go sit at the bottom. You sit down there like you ain't changed nothing. You ain't got no better. And then you let the Lord have somebody come and recognize you and bring you up. You got to keep bringing yourself up and talking about how spiritual you are. You're not spiritual at all. You very fleshly use the spiritual terms. So he's saying you're going to mature spiritually. And I love this. Watch this. It's going to explain it. He said you're going to be transformed progressively and change as you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind. Now, I'm giving you the step-by-steps. Well, because I know people say, well, how do you mature spiritually? I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you how, right here in the scripture. By the renewing of your mind. How do you renew your mind? I used to hear that all the time. Well, I'm trying to renew my mind. Watch this. Focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes. See what I said? It's the change on the inside first that manifests then to the outside. Your spiritual growth manifests from your cooperation. Didn't I start the message with that? You can't just say, I'm just putting it in the Lord's hands. No, the word clearly says here, you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind. How do I renew my mind? Focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes. You change and your mind and attitude before the Lord, you have to commit to that. You have to say, I've chosen now to change the way I see this. And it's an act of worship. Let's not forget that. I've chosen now to not be affected by this that way. Okay, I've always been this way. You ain't going to change me. This is just who I am. That's a demonic spirit. He said, the act of worship is you saying, God, if you change my mind and you change my values and the way I see it, I don't care if I've seen it like this for 90 years, on year 91, this value has changed because you've enlightened me to an understanding of the godly value that I didn't see before. You ever had a back and forth argument conversation with people your whole life and every time you get with them, there's always that same thing. And one day something just changed in you since you've been walking with God. And now that person come up and say that same thing. And you all of a sudden you go like, oh, I see what you, I see what you, I don't agree with it, but I see what you're trying. Looking at it from your point of view, I can see how you would think that. You ever had that? I can see how you would think that. Yeah, right. That's because your values changed. Theirs didn't, but yours did. You, you decided to, to sacrifice your stand and offer it as an act of worship to God. This is my position. This is where I stand. No, you know what, God? I don't have it. I stand. You tell me where I stand. You tell me what my position is. You tell me if I say yay or nay, or I fight, or I hold my ground, or I release the ground. It's your ground. You made the ground. You decide what ground I stand on. And, 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 and as I'm growing, I'm learning that. Let other people have their perspective. You can't change everybody's perspective. Let them have it. You're going to keep going to war with them over the same thing. Renew your mind, son. Let that go. Let them have that. What does it benefit you to keep going back and forth with people or condition or position that they have not renewed their mind or decided to change? Let them keep it. It's theirs to have. And I'm not talking about whatever. I'm talking about Respect, respect, respect. We had a call 
I'm gonna bring it home now. We had a call the other day. Somebody wanted me to come into their business and do some DEI work. And, and we talking about the people of color and the different races and the clashes, and she wanted me to come in and talk to them. I'm happy about that. Then she asked me, what about LBGTQ? And I was like, I'm not touching that. I'll bring somebody in for that. I won't do that conversation. I'll bring in a different speaker. She was like, wow, wow. I said, I can't speak to that because that's not my world. I don't know it. I don't understand it. So people come to me all the time and say, what do you think about gay marriage? I don't think about it. I'm not gay. Why would I think about gay marriage? I don't, I don't think about it. I'm a heterosexual male. I don't think about it. It's not hatred or dislike. It's not my world. What do you, what, what, what do you as white people think about police violence in the hood? You don't know. Black on black crime. You don't know. You don't care. That ain't your hood. You don't see that. It ain't inconsiderate or cold is I don't know that world. That's not my world and I'm not trying to touch it. But my point of view and making my point in making is God will change your heart about different things when he says to you, well, now I need you right here to be here. Well, I didn't really care about that before. I'm not talking about the LBGT. I'm talking about anything it is, a person, their point of view. And God is saying, this is the most spiritual maturity I need you to walk in right now because you can't reach that person if you don't are not willing to allow me to transform you by the renewing of your mind. I can't touch anybody with you if you're an island to yourself. You know, your Christianity is yours and you and you alone. Baby Christians do that. It's just yours and you alone. It's just me and Jesus. Okay, yeah, well, at certain points in life, you grow past that. And this is what he's talking about. As you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind, focusing on godly values and, and, and ethical attitudes, ethical attitudes, your mind becomes more about just you and your opinion, your feeling. You become more ethical in your reasoning. He's calling that spiritual maturity. I want you to understand that. God's calling that spiritual maturity. So if you use God as an excuse to not submit or not grow or not get along or, or fight with people, you are immature, you are childish, and your life is not submitted to God. That's what I'm learning from this. You can take from it what you want. God's saying to me, if you're that stubborn and stuck in your will and your opinion, guess what? You're spiritually immature and I can't use you. You are not presenting your body a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to me. You're not. You got too much opinion and too much attitude and too much point of view to be submitted to me as a sacrifice. Well, you may not want to totally agree with me on this one, but I'm, I'm going to finish preaching it anyway, okay? Because it's, it's right here in the Word. So here it is. Last sentence for you. I'll let you go ahead and breathe. This is the important sentence, and this is the last sentence. Renewing your mind. Focusing on godly and ethical um, attitudes so that you may prove for yourself, not prove to God or to other people. So I'm giving my mind to God. I'm proving it. No, 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 no. He said for yourself. And this word prove don't mean to prove to somebody, see, I got proof. This word prove means to show or, or show your maturity, or, or like when you're talking about wine, 100 proof, there's a couple of times that this word is used, prove, that God may prove you or test you. It, it's to, to, to let you sit on the shelf 
until you become mature, you become potent, you become, you know, when they say something's a hundred proof, it, it don't mean you got to prove something. It means you sit there till you become the character, the body. You know, people say, oh, this is this is good. And they swirl around. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is this is good. This is seasoned. This has been sitting. This is top shelf. This is more. This is worth more money. This has more value. This see, this is the good stuff. This is what he's saying to you, that you may prove, that you may sit there and, and to the, all the fermentation rises to the top and you can clean it off and your value now is 100 proof. You the good stuff. This is what he's talking about, that you will be proof, proof, not by talking, just in your value, character. When you walk in a room in a place, people know there's something about you. There's a, yeah, there's a, mm, the character is, is, is 100%, it's strong, strong in this one. Mm, mm, just smelling it, I can, ooh. Strong stuff. That's what he's talking about. He's saying this that you may prove that you may mature into something valuable. Hmm? That you may prove for yourself what the will of God is. That which is good and acceptable and perfect in his plan and purpose for you. So all of this is saying you change yourself so that you can know for yourself what God's will is. Oh, somebody didn't hear me right there. Let me, let me bring home one more time. He said, this is all about for you. God ain't saying do this for me. People, I done heard all my life. I thought I was supposed to do this, to prove to God what a good Christian I was. God said, you ain't proved nothing to me. I know who you are from the root to the fruit, buddy. This is for you to prove to yourself. That's what the word said, that you prove to yourself, that you become matured for yourself, that you know what the good, perfect, and acceptable plan and will of God is for your life. Not everybody else's. Yours. You ain't saving the world and ministering God to nobody, and you ain't proved. You can't even prove it to yourself. It's, 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 it's a hard thing. I hate to say this, but I have to say it, and it's a good place to bring it home. It's hard when you're trying to go pray for people that are sick and dying and all this stuff, and you're trying to pray for them, and you're trying to get a bunch of people in the room, and you just are hoping and a wishing and a wishing and a hoping and a hoping and a wishing that it worked. You walk away from them, and you didn't know if they got healed or not, and a lot of times they didn't. Why? Because you ain't proved it for yourself yet. You don't know it. You don't know what the perfect and acceptable God is for you yet, but then you're trying to deposit it to somebody else by doing some kind of little spiritual ritual thinking that it's going to work. The word don't work by ritual. It work by faith. It don't work by, I believe, we believe, we all believe. Two, two or more of us are gathered. Yeah, two or more of you are together. They don't really believe in healing for yourself. So how are you going to deposit to somebody else? Sometimes just by God's grace, he'll move through me and do something for somebody that I'm like, oh, shoot. And don't even know if he would do it for me. So he's saying we're presenting ourselves as acts of worship before God, committing to him so that we know in the end of the day what the perfect plan and his acceptable will is for me. I have to mature. I have to grow. I have to know so that when I know and I'm sure, then I can give it to somebody else without any hesitation, without any fear, concern, or worry. I know what the good and perfect and acceptable will of God is for my life. And that's the importance of this message today. I hope God blessed you. I hope it spoke to you. I hope it stirred something in your spirit. We're on our way to a whole different dimension in this season and time. And I want you to know we're going to walk through the practical, practical steps 
or how to be powerful men and women of God. It starts internally first, then you get together in a group of people that have the same reality as you, and then you can turn the world upside down. But stop by letting God turn your world upside down before you start trying to turn everybody else's world upside down. And in the name of our Savior Jesus, thank you for your ears and your time. Love you guys. Amen.